welcome to Today on Broadway for Thursday, February 17th, 2022. I'm Tell Me on a Sunday podcast, Grace Aki. And I'm arts and culture writer, Ashley Steves. Y'all, if you can believe it, I saw a show in another state last night. Oh. And today I saw a show in New York. Oh, How weird. That is pretty weird. Um, so I'm really excited to talk about so many things in the show. Um, I have a really lovely interview that uh, we've um, included at the at the back end of the show. So stick around for That's that good. if you want to hear yeah. me talk to some really smart ladies. Yeah. Sam Blasted team. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, I love talking to playwrights. I love talking to directors and getting to talk to two people who not only love working with each other, but also like are just it's just a great women that I now just like, I want to know everything that they're doing. Um, it was, it was really fantastic. They so really we had, will, um, they, yeah. sorry. They really had, I don't, not sure if it was, um, Charlie, if it was summer describing the show there at the end, mm-hmm. but I really liked the description of waiting to exhale meets waiting for Godot meets death becomes her. Like, I'm pretty sure that is the quickest I'm already seeing the show next week but that's like if I didn't have it on my calendar already I would be running I'm telling you that was the perfect way to describe that show <laughs> and I was thrilled that those were the three things that they yeah, said because so good 100%. Oh, so today in Hades Town news, because I feel like every day we should it have is that. the Hades Town show. I'm seeing it Way tonight, down. in fact. <gasps> oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh. Good for you, girl. Thank you. I am um, seeing the person, not seeing the person we're uh, talking about, though. I am seeing the person who I paid a lot of money to see before she leaves in a few days. You know, fair enough, because yeah. taking over for Persephone, Amber Gray, is Lana Gordon. So she has been the alternate for the role since October oh, wow. of last year, yeah. and she will fully, fully take on this part very February exciting. 22nd. So. That's Blessings very to us all. Blessings to us all. It gives me more reasons to go see Hades Town because you know I will. First of all, two I've never seen her. I told this to Matt last night. I've seen the show a few times and have never gotten to see. Um, other than Tim when he was on for Patrick, I haven't mm. seen any alternates. I don't think. Oh wow! Yeah, okay. wild times. Wild times. Well, Though maybe uh, I, I assume the fates. I, I think I had one understudy fate as well. But I've been pretty consistent with the original cast. I love the fates. Check out their Christmas album uh, year round. So Broadwayrecords.com. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can't wait to share this news with you because you have asked and now you will receive the Winnie the Pooh In Grace Aki news. <laughs> in Grace Aki news. Go to my TikTok. It is one of my highest views. I'm just saying. It was in the briefing. No, it wasn't in the briefing. It was in some kind of like <laughs> countdown. Anyways. The Winnie the Pooh new musical stage adaptation, which opened at Theater Row November of last year. I was there. Thank goodness. So honored. Uh, It will return for an off-Broadway run again this summer, June 18th through July 31st at the 100 Acre Theater at Theater Row. So if you didn't already see it or you want to bring the chillins, I don't know, (laughs) but you've got to bring everybody. adorable i know here comes my accent um but it's uh it's so much fun and i love watching these puppeteers and um yeah so everybody wanted it to come back and it's coming back i absolutely will see it this summer i i will not miss it this time i promise you there you go so casting is set for senna's to see's newest play at playwrights horizons wish you were here the cast is all iranian and iranian american women actors it will feature nikki masood nazanin noor artemis Pibdani, 
Roxana Hope Raja, and Marjan Nishat. Performances will begin April 13th with an opening night set for May 2nd with a run through the end of May. So make sure that you get your tickets early for this. Anytime we see a new show by this playwright, um, you're going to want to be there. Definitely. There you go. So more in casting news, the Young Vic's world premiere of Anthony McCartan's The Collaboration is playing in London beginning February 16th. So I guess that's right now. And then it's playing through April 2nd. So it's it's a limited run because these people are booked and busy because playing Andy Warhol, because I don't know if you guys knew what the collaboration was about. I actually didn't. You just told me something new, even though I looked at it earlier and apparently did not look at the article very well. (laughs) There you go. Uh, So playing Andy Warhol is Paul Bettany alongside two-time Tony nominee Jeremy Pope as Jean-Michel Basquiat. The two are joined by Sophia Barclay and Alec Newman. Um, That's all right. It's interesting. And I'll tell you this. A fantastic book that all of you should read is called Widow Basquiat. Um, It's it's a fantastic read. um, But if you have any interest in like that art world scene... Um, yeah, fascinating. I will add it to my to reads, uh, <laughs> and unfortunately, it may be a while. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I figure that, but drowning I'm happy in books, to lend it to you. drowning in books, it's a good one. So let's take a moment from the show to talk about our sponsor for this week, Today Ticks. So I've gotten to see so many more shows than I normally would because of how quick and easy Today Ticks makes it to get tickets. So they have amazing prices for some of the best theater that I've ever gotten to see. Yeah, it doesn't matter what you're looking for. You can just download the app, visit todaytix.com. It doesn't matter which one. And you find the show you want to see. It is easy as pie. It takes just 30 seconds on the app. You get your tickets with ease and you can book your tickets either months in advance, day of. They give you access to exclusive pre-sales, limited time offers, digital lottery programs to sold out shows. And of course, day of discounted tickets. Kind of in that period, as Grace and I were talking before we started recording, February is so weirdly dense with shows and I cannot figure out where and when I want to see these shows. Thankfully, Today Ticks Exists has, I think, most of them, maybe one is missing, but most of the shows that have been on my to-watch list, including, as I talked about with Matt yesterday, Black No More, which just opened. Mm-hmm. I know you all saw it. <laughs> yeah. Today Ticks isn't just for Broadway and London's West End. You can also find tickets in cities across the country and around the world, including Chicago, LA, DC, San Francisco, Sydney, and more. See that show that you've always wanted to see or discover something new that you'll love just as much for even less. Go to todayticks.com slash Broadway and use the promo code Broadway to get $10 off your first Today Ticks purchase. That's promo code Broadway at todayticks.com slash Broadway for an additional $10 off your first ticket purchase. Once more, go to todayticks.com slash Broadway. We were so sad to learn that Alan Hall, the former vice president of Actors' Equity Association, has passed away. Mr. Hall stage managed more than 30 Broadway shows. Goodness gracious. Uh, From Chess, Sweeney Todd, Promises, Promises. Um, he was absolutely a legend in in his field, and um, he would obviously be from the community. And we we gotta we gotta throw it to the women right now. Like this show is brought to you by women. We love seeing women succeed. Loretta Greco will be the Huntington's next Norma Jean Calderwood Artistic Director, the Boston-based theater company, um, saying that this is the first time they've ever had a female artistic director yeah. at Boston's Huntington. So Wild. I'm I'm thrilled to know that. You know, she's developed and produced 26 world premieres in her career. She's obviously going to do more. Um, we we love to see women succeed. Yeah, I think she'll and, be just fine. 
she may all right. Um, so there are some really good events if you're in the New York area. And if you're not, we're going to tell I you am. anyway. So uh, if you're looking for more ways to celebrate Black History Month, do it Broadway style. Hello. Mm. Wink, wink. Broadway Sings announced today an upcoming concert featuring Alicia Delarue, Sydney Morton, Jelani Remy, Aisha Jackson, Christiani Pitts, and more. The Central Park concert will showcase Black performers singing hit songs by Beyonce, John Legend, Whitney Houston, I Will Cry, and Prince. <laughs> <laughs> Broadway Sings for Black History Month will be held at Woolman Rink in New York City Central Park, February 18th at 7 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. Mm. The ticket holders will have access to the ice skating rink as well and signature cocktails. So, um, yeah, that sounds great. And I just want to say this. Okay. I love Aisha Jackson. Yes. She's a star. Obviously, we've talked about how she's going to be the standby um, Mm -hmm. for Paradise Square. And I wish I could have seen her as Anna in Frozen, blah, blah, blah. But Alicia Delarue. First of all, I I have seen her in Hamilton. Holy crap, chef's Mm -hmm. kiss. Literally. (laughs) A voice like, you know how, it, like, she played and Peggy? And um, Peggy. And Peggy. And I was like, I thought, like, Beyonce's voice escaped from her mouth in act two. Like, it I was know, just right? nuts. She is Ugh. so fierce. And this makes me really, really happy. So, if you aren't familiar with her, you really need to go you to this concert. You should be. What is wrong with you? <laughs> At this point. Holy crap. Anyways, that was just my tiny endorsement. Hope you're okay with that, Alicia. Sorry. So another New York <laughs> event that you'll want to put on your calendar includes the 92nd Street Wise screening of Tick, Tick, Boom in conversation with Andrew Garfield for Tuesday, February 22nd at 6.30 p.m. for $20. Now, here's the thing. The online tickets for this event, because you can get online tickets, is for the talk only. You don't like need to watch the movie. You probably have a Netflix mm-hmm. account. So yeah. it's not, it doesn't include the chances training. are high. Yeah, it's, it's fine. So, and they also have a number of other talks and events that we've linked in the show notes as well that you can kind of peruse and see if there's anything else you want to go to, but definitely want to be there for that tick, tick, boom. Um, and a couple of special recommendations for today include the Antonio Banderas-led company currently yeah. being done in Spain. <laughs> they released a really hip, very 60s trailer as a first look with yeah. Playbook. And I'm just saying, like, can we go to Spain? Like, honestly, I've been a little – I wouldn't say I've been critical about it. I found it a bit weird because Antonio Banderas is how old? Like 60? Or late 50s? I can't remember. Listen, I'm going to have to look it up in a second. The stage doesn't know your age. The stage age. doesn't know <laughs> But that being said, like I mean, when the cast this- of any high school show is not <laughs> over 33 and you know, I'm not like mad because I can't wait to be 33 and finally be able to play high schoolers. Yeah, but, there like, you go. No, it just is what it is. Antonio Banderas Bobby, is 61. Baby. Antonio Banderas is 61 years old. I was looking it up. Uh, but that's the, like, I think it kind of works. I think like, uh, you know, a mid thirties female Bobby works. I think like a late fifties, early sixties male Bobby <laughs> works. I feel like just the way we've ruined society. That's kind of, I, I, I think it does well. I, I want to see it. Yeah. And we will see it. Yeah, we're off to Spain. <laughs> when we go to Spain. So in an article from The Times, Matt Stevens highlights five monologues, each a showcase for Asian American actors over 60. This is just a great resource that we wanted to include in the show. Yeah. Um, because these are not always the, you know, options that were presented, especially not only actors of a certain age, but also like a traditionally, systemically um, marginalized group. Yeah. So, I was thrilled that Matt put this together. So thank you, Matt Stevens. Thank you, Matt Stevens. 
And then John McCorder, also for the Times, in an opinion piece, uh, wrote, yes, some musicals are unwoke. That's not a right to rewrite them. I want Ashley to speak on this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. I don't even get any intro. No, I mean, (laughs) so the piece is talking about encores and Mm -hmm. generally the changes that have been made. And I I guess I'm of two minds on this. I think the piece was a little mixed about it. On one hand, I I think I mostly agree because based on the purpose of what encores is or is supposed to be, Mm -hmm. which is to present rarely seen works that haven't gotten a lot of stage time um, and in ways that aren't trying to rewrite them. On the other hand, uh, Mm -hmm. as an audience member, I don't personally want to be watching Annie Get Your Gun and have to sit through I'm an Indian too. Like, I don't want to see people in blackface. I I also don't want to put actors on stage in that position. I think we often think of shows from the audience side, not the performer side. And I mean, there are certain things in classic pieces, and this goes for any medium, that yes, trying to erase them isn't necessarily helpful, but neither is performing them. Like, I think, especially when you think of something like Encore, we talked about the canceled Thoroughly Modern Millie that was getting rewrites and a lot of people mm. or most people seemed that they were pretty excited about that for those reasons. I, I like I want to engage critically. I want people who are making art and producing art to engage with the art that they're producing. Like I to engage critically with them. I don't think there's the, that phrase warts and all and the encores is presenting these shows warts and all. I don't think racist material <laughs> is the wart in that phrase. Like that's it's not the same kind of flaw as a sloppy book. Um what I will say is the piece mentions uh some of the book at, you know or the updates that were happening with Tap Dance Kid which I didn't get to see I'm not yeah. overly familiar with it but I at least get the context and what the piece addressed and what I certainly don't group in with the this is this thing is offensive <laughs> so let's admit it category was that they rewrote the character of Emma to be thinner which doesn't make any sense <laughs> like okay so this you know I think context is so important. I think tone is so important. Is she being played fat for laughs? Is it an inherently insulting part? Is it a a part that's based exclusively on stereotypes? Like, what's the intention of your work here? So there's something in the pit of my stomach here that tells me that those rewrites there were done because somebody saw something inherently offensive about having a fat character and a fat actor on that stage. And also one who talks about how she is fat instead of it just being like this background ignored thing. That's Mm -hmm. from the audience side. You look at it from the performer side, how rare is it that you actually have an actual fat character? And even more specifically, a fat actor in a show. Yeah, 100%. How often do we see fat actors even get seen for a role? So that's so much different. And, you know, it's... It's so much more than taking something that is outright racist or homophobic or whatever and removing it from your show, especially if that thing is not needed and does nothing to advance your plot. I am absolutely fine with those omissions. I would think Mm -hmm. artists would be glad to have them gone too because we are very much at a time that often sways into overcorrection. Don't get me wrong. I'm a big Mm -hmm. overcorrector personally. We're like one offensive thing, even among 200 others, can kill you as a creator. I think that's also what you know, your programs and your playbills are for. You can address those things in your playbills. It is fine (laughs) to interact with art and 
you know, not make them into that kind of living museum piece, even if you were in the business of producing museum pieces like Encores Exactly. So I think it's a worthy conversation, um, but especially among playwrights. Like I think that, like about totally. people that are they're writing and and producing this stuff. And uh, yeah. I just I don't, I don't want people who are either watching the shows or critiquing shows to see right. this as an affront to the show. I think yeah. personally, I think omitting whatever racist song that's you know the epitome of stereotypes in your show omitting that is a, a service to the show and to the creator because you know it wouldn't be written now earnestly hope not i hope not you would hope even more it wouldn't be produced uh i hear you and finally we've reached a very special part of the show thanks for making it all the way here i am joined Hello. by the playwright charlie yvonne simpson and director summer l williams of Vineyard Theater and WP Theater's Sandblasted that I got to see just last week. I was thrilled to get to sit down and talk to them really quickly while they were in the middle of rehearsal because they were still in previews. Still in previews, yeah. Um, They're opening. It's really, really exciting. And I'm just saying stay tuned because we mentioned an end date at the end of this uh, little interview, but... Who, who knows if, mm, if that's things, things the actual can end day. and may change. That's it. That's all. That's all. All right. <laughs> so here, here is our lovely conversation. So I'm so excited to get to talk to the both of you about uh, your process with the show and the fact that you're still currently in previews for Sandblasted, correct? Yep. Yes. Wow. So when do you guys finally get to like freeze the show? Uh, Saturday? Yeah, Saturday. (laughs) (laughs) That's such an exciting thing. I feel like people don't often, um, you know, get to understand that like things are still changing as they're seeing the show. Like that's what previews mean. (laughs) Like, you Mm -hmm. know, so are you guys still finding that you're doing some like rewrites? Are you changing with some of the direction? How's it going? It's going well. Um, we are definitely playing with, you know, the, the, the piece is so, uh, uniquely specific, um, that there's a lot of emotional toggling, uh, that needs to happen. And so we've been doing a lot of that work and still discovering all the joy and all the fun. Uh, and also thinking about how to get really connected to our, our new cast member, the sand, uh, <laughs> and how all of that, uh, affects everything that we've been doing as well. I got to see the show last week and you are not joking. The sand is a literal cast member mm-hmm. <laughs> from, and I won't, I don't mean to like spoil it or anything because they won't because I want everyone to go. Um, but the moment that they're like some things emerged pretty immediately. In the, <laughs> in the show. Yeah. And I went, Oh my gosh, where am I? Like the, the setting is such a crucial part of the storytelling. And I love that the vineyard allowed you to do that. So do you yeah. mind talking about like the direction process and, and writing as well of, of the storytelling with the sand? Well, I mean, the writing part is kind of simple. I wrote down a piece of paper sand and there's a lot of it. Um, you know, quite honestly, not, necessarily believing that there would then be a moment where the stage would have sand on it. You know, I I think a lot of times, especially as a playwright, you kind of know that you're going to write something down and designers and a whole team of people are going to interpret that and do, do what they can. Right. So um, I think it was, it was, it was amazing to me (laughs) that we were having conversations about 
what kinds of real sand we would want. Um, I, I never really imagined getting to that, um, to that place and, and to be able to see the play with real sand and have the actors experience, uh, what it feels like, uh, to be in real sand, um, I think just, um, makes the play, uh, has made the play grow. Hmm. Yeah, I, I would say we, you know, in a rehearsal process, um, it's it's fun because you're in a room and they try to set up the room as best as possible to like represent what you're going to be working with scenically, etc. But of course, during our process, there's no way we were going to be able to work on sand. Mm-hmm. And so, so much of uh, the process for us has been how we engage the sand and the storytelling of the sand in terms of relationship and comfort. Um, and it's been sort of wonderful to have this much discovery time, uh, to be able to continue to play and really fully realize all that the sand is and all that it can be. Cause it's, it's, it's central. Mm-hmm. And I think too, just, and something I will, I will say that summer and the, the, uh, both WP and the vineyard have been, um, very good about it, is also understanding that having the actors having to be in real sand adds a layer of a needs to add a layer of care Mm -hmm. to them for them. Um, which I think also sort of speaks to the themes of the play. So there's, there's layers that the actually working in real sand has added necessarily in our, you know, in our reality that also adds to the experience and our understanding of, of the world on the stage. Absolutely. I mean, you guys have like four incredible actors the entire time, just like, having to battle <laughs> in, a, in a positive way, the sand. And all I kept thinking, I mean, besides like listening to everything was also like, is everyone's calves just going to be so thick? Like, is everybody just <laughs> so strong after doing this production? I just can't fathom. It's just, it's just another element of the storytelling. So it was really exciting to watch everyone navigate that. And especially, you know, the traveling scenes when, <laughs> you know, yeah. Ada is looking around and, and, you know, it's kind of the second part of the piece, which I found really, really exciting. So, um, I was really enjoying reading in the program that you two kind of have this like wonderful friendship besides your working relationship. Tell yeah. us about, if you don't mind, you know, you and, uh, uh Charlie and Summer, like y'all are, have this, this fantastic relationship as far as like, you know, the working environment. So I want to hear about it. Oh, where do we start? Um, <laughs> I think the thing is one, we sort of like, I think we had a meet cute mm-hmm. um, and sort of like went on a a journey in terms of like being sort of put together in a situation, but like really finding like realness with each other and like care and like a lot of passion for doing the same things through storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like through our natural kind of, coming together in that way that only enhanced the work. And then as the work was becoming enhanced, we were able to get to know each other better and differently as mm-hmm. people and, and artists who care very deeply about the people who we're working with all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's been, it's just fun. It's also like, this is the best way to think about developing new work and like deep partnership and collaboration over time where you get to like really think and and wrestle with what 
what the play is asking from you and what the play is asking to be and what it wants to be for someone else. All of those things, uh, I think have had a profound effect on our process. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Summer just answered it, <laughs> but I mean, I will just say like, you know, I, um, I feel like I, I met Summer right after I was finishing, I finished grad school. And I think I was like, I was astonished is not the right word, but I, I so quickly just trusted Summer. Mm-hmm. So quickly was like, oh, she says we're going to win. We're going to win. Like, you know, like there was just this, this sense that like in my soul that like, nope, you, 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 I'd found, uh, a collaborator, a friend and someone that ultimately like I could trust. Um, and that, that just made it. Just made it work. And we've been lucky enough to every summer, I always say my summer with summer, every summer since then, we have spent, you know, at least, at least a day, mm-hmm. usually a week or more, um, working together, um, in some way. And, um, that has just been a beautiful, beautiful process. But I really do think it was founded in this, 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 this first meeting and this first just like, sense of like, oh, this is someone I can, I can trust not only my, my plays with, but mm-hmm. like myself with. Mm-hmm. Really? There you go. Did I make you cry? No. Okay, this was beautiful. And that's the end of the interview. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, I think that that's great. And I think that we don't often like we take for granted, like how difficult, like that kind of a creative partnership is to come by. And so the fact that you two found that so quickly and it, it makes me go, okay, cool. Like what's the next thing that they're going to work on? Because that obviously, yeah, yeah. you know, works. And so I'm, I'm thrilled to hear that because it just makes my little artist heart sing. Uh, I wanted to ask you first, like, okay, especially the Ada monologue that Rolanda puts on. I was like, I could have watched five hours of that. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and I'm so thrilled that I, I was not familiar with Yolanda's work before. And now I'm like her biggest fan. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I just like, when have you thought about like, I want this to come out so that I can read and there's just so many like big monologue moments in the second part of the piece that I'm just like curious, were those something, was that something that you'd written kind of like outside of the entire work and then you kind of put them in here or did it all kind of inform itself? No, it all kind of informed itself. If I remember correctly, I think especially because Ada has a monologue and um, Angela has a monologue and then, then Odessa kind of has a fake monologue moment. Um, But uh those two monologues, I'm pretty sure were kind of written in the order that we see them in the play. Um, and, uh, so they came like somewhat naturally, but I, but I, I will say this play kind of came out like the first scene just like kind of burst forth out of me. And then I was like, what is this? And I kind of would just, you know, like every few weeks sit down and see what next scene came out. Um, and so that was sort of how they came out. And I think the, the Ada monologue, especially like there was a part of me that was like, I like, what would it be to, to be able to see an older black woman just hold the stage for, for an extended amount of time in this larger piece? Um, and so there was me kind of going in and being like, okay, she's, she's going to keep going. She's going to keep going and she's going to give us this nugget and she's going to give us that nugget. And, um, you know, so there was a little bit of an exploration there. Um, you know, but it, it really did come from, um, 
everything that you, that you see before it. Um, and I think, uh, when I think about Ada's monologue, I, I had a, a, a great aunt, Ada. Um, and I think, um, about, uh, all the monologues that I did not get to hear from her. Um, cause she passed when I was uh, 14. Um, and so there's a little bit of like, I want to give her, I want to give Ada her time, um, on the stage, um, in that way. Well, it's perfect. And I, and I truly could have watched her put on and take off that sequin caftan <laughs> truly all night. I mean, and Rolanda like, really, like, I have to say it's been beautiful to really watch Rolanda, like sit and settle into that monologue. Like, I remember one of the first times she, she really did it. I just, you know, was kind of blown away that like, here she was like living that monologue that I, you know, happened to write and put on a piece of paper. I just, yeah, it was really, really moving. And I loved how it informed like the character and also all of us to kind of give us more of the context of, you know, the, yeah, like our, our elders and like what that looks yeah. like. And I know that so much of the theme of it is, is about like waiting. And also when you kind of like stop waiting and you start living and it was just, mm-hmm. it was really perfect. And I, I know everyone says this. So like, please don't groan, but like what perfect timing. I think that people are in a perfect position to kind of like sit in that. Um, whereas I don't know that they would have in the same way before all of us having a two year shutdown. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm kind of like, thankful in a way that that it, it just it just hits different and um it was just it was a really stunning moment i also love a show where i can learn about um lightning hitting sand i never thought that, <laughs> that would be <laughs> i never thought that would be a thing and um thank you for uh writing it to the point where i had to know more about it and thank you for delivering it because (laughs) by the time we get to the end, I was just like, come on, I got to (laughs) know. So I mean, um, you want to know the the secret thing is that I became fascinated with Fulbright's because of a movie called Sweet Home Alabama in which they talk about Fulbright's. So this is just a continuation of... Got some people on the call right now that are Georgians. So when I say (laughs) that it was, it was informative. I'm not going to lie to you. Reese Witherspoon was one of the ones. So I love that. That's amazing. Um, so I, I guess my final part of this, uh, besides, I feel like I've been kind of vague in talking about the show. If you guys want to give us like a brief rundown, because I, I don't even know how to describe it because I was just like, no, no, I just want you to go see it. And then you tell me, <laughs> you know, what you got from it. So can you uh, tell our listeners like about the show in a little nutshell? Sure. Uh, so I'll start by offering three points of reference. It's sort mm. of like, uh, Waiting to Exhale yep. meets Waiting for Godot meets yep. Death Becomes Her. Uh, it is oh. the beauty of, you know, a newfound lasting friendship and sisterhood uh, with a sense of waiting and, and what does it mean to wait and how time affects us all. And then the absurdity of the taking a very real feeling that black women encounter, which is like it sometimes it feels like the the world is sort of coming at us with nothing but daggers. Mm-hmm. Um and it feels like, you know, being ripped apart in a lot of ways. That there's like a, a constant sense of, oh, I got this wound and I'm gonna do whatever I can to sort of patch it up and keep going, uh, no matter how sort of garish it becomes. And I think the absurdity and the humor of it is that 
we have an expectation, I think, when we walk in and we see that, you know, here's this piece and we're going to be dealing with uh, these black women in a particular circumstance and expect to find devastation, expect to find um, a lot of pain. Uh, but the beautiful trick is that there's so much joy despite what the world has for them. Um, and a part of the experience in the story is watching it unfold and allowing it to unfold over you, but the joy you have as that's happening and sort of balancing that joy uh, with a real sense of, gosh, I feel the weight of the world for some people, and I know that that weight is different for some people. Uh, and what does that mean to hold that? So that was a lot. Not quite a soundbite. <laughs> no, 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 no. I better than what I could do. It's <laughs> helpful. Like I just, you know, I've noticed, like as a theater goer as well. Like I've, there's like this renaissance of like existentialist stories, especially like by BIPOC writers. But I had yet to see like a women's response to that, and um, it was just really exciting to see, literally, just like four actors on stage for you know, the, the majority of the show, just kind of like having these conversations about very real things, but also in some absurd manners. And I don't want to spoil one bit, but I actually screamed, um, in the theater <laughs> pretty early on. I went, Oh, yeah. and then I just kept also, I kept looking. I was like, when, when is another literal shoe going to drop? So, um, mm-hmm. it was just, it was really, really great to see. So thank you guys so much for spending this little time with me. I know that you're in the middle of continuing to rehearse and and make exciting changes and um, share this story, but the show is running until March 6th at the Vineyard Theater in conjunction with WP Theater. And you can get tickets through Today Ticks through the Vineyard Theater box office. Again, from February 6th, which has already passed, uh, closing March 6th, um, you have to go see Sam Blasted. So thank you so much, Charlie, and thank you, Summer, for joining us, and we hope to talk to you all soon. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And don't forget about our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Broadway Radio. You can find me all the time on all social media platforms at It's Grace Aki. <laughs> Ashley, where can people find you? You can find me only on Twitter and Instagram at No, This Is Ashley. Thank you all so very much. You will see me and Matt tomorrow. Bye.